spirits of darkness, I command you to rise from your graves. I implore your release from eternal torment. Tonight's the night. Demons, arise. Arise. Halloween night. Look out, it's the midnight hour, baby! The devil is going on here. Lucinda brought a terrible curse on the town. The time is right. All the legendary demons of hell were loosed. And the spirits are restless. Everyone who dies this night will walk again. The ancient demons will rise tonight. And all who are touched by evil will become evil forever. To share their wrath. The dead are coming back to life, and some of the dead are out to kill. I don't like the sound of this. And claim their victims. Don't come another step closer! You can't beat us. Sherry Belafonte Harper, Kevin McCarthy, LeVar Burton, Midnight Hour. We have to end this. We gotta do it all by midnight. If they wait, there'll be nobody else around. Happy Halloween. to the Haunted Davenport podcast, where we talk about retro horror and sci-fi television. I'm your host, Allison, and with me are my co-hosts, Drew and Andy. Boo. (laughs) That's awesome. So this is part two of our Halloween offering for 2022. For our previous episode, we talked about the Halloween tree, and we hoped you listened to that and enjoyed that a whole lot. And for this one, we're going to talk about the made-for-TV movie The Midnight Hour from 1985. This was directed by Jack Bender, and it originally aired on ABC on November 1st in 1985. So a real quick synopsis before we get deep into it. The Midnight Hour is... A story where on Halloween in Pittsburgh Cove, Massachusetts, five high school friends, Phil, Mary, Mitch, Vinny, and Melissa, steal costumes from the town's historic museum and also an old trunk with an ancient paper scroll. They head out to the local cemetery where Melissa, who's a descendant of the town's infamous witch, reads the scroll aloud. And before you can say Klaatu, Verata, Niktu, the dead are awakened, and supernatural beings of all kinds are unleashed upon the town. And also, this song features multiple times the awesome song In the Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett. So it's not just a fun title. Mm-hmm. And you're treated to Wolfman Jack, who's playing. He's the DJ in the background the whole time. He's Wolfman Jack. And he is playing In the Midnight Hour every hour, he announces at one point. Right. Well, it was... 
I'm glad he announced that because there was a certain point. I'm like, how many times are they going to play this song? It was right. like, we bought the rights for this song. We're going to use it. Yes. <laughs> right? Damn it. We paid for it. We're going to get every penny out of it. And I will say, before we get too deep into it, as with all our other episodes, we are going to go into full spoilers for this. So if you have not seen The Midnight Hour and you're in the mood for some good, nostalgic 80s Halloween fun, I highly recommend you check it out. It's currently offered in multiple versions on YouTube, and there's actually a fun version that I'm going to link in our show notes on the hauntedavenport.com where you can watch it with horror hosts. So there's a horror host show called Newcastle After Dark, which is pretty fun, and they, um, they're kind of low-key. They're not, like, over the top, but they, they call themselves the management, and this is two guys, and they're usually, like, drinking some liquor and smoking cigars while they tell you a little bit of movie history and comment on the film in short breaks, and it's a pretty good time and a fun way to watch. So I'm going to specifically link to their version of this if anyone wants to check that out. But you've been warned, so spoilers ahead. So the cast for this is epic. And I'm going to read off the Wikipedia page. I might be missing somebody. But um, you have uh, Lee Montgomery playing the main character, Phil Grenville. We have Sherry Belafonte as Melissa Cavender, who's the the descendant of the infamous witch known as Lucinda, who's played by Janelle Allen. We have Peter DeLuise, son of Dom DeLuise, as Mitch Crandall. LeVar Burton as Vinny Davis. Dee Dee Pfeiffer as Mary Masterson and John Lee as Sandy Matthews, who is a ghost who's out on the town for this adventure. Oh, spoilers right off. Spoilers right off. <laughs> I mean, if 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 you didn't see that coming, yeah, yeah, you've got. <laughs> I mean, there is like a slight, like this is, I think, a movie that you could totally watch with like kids, you know. Oh, sure. Like, it's a little scary. It's got some not... spookiness to it, but it's like fun, spooky. I mean, it's it's mostly goofy. Like all of all of it for the first three quarters of the movie, all the ghouls and goblins that show up literally just want a party. That's all they want to do. There are some uh, weird dark moments in this though, which I feel like we'll get to, but I still have more more cast members mm. to go through. Oh yeah, keep That's going. Okay. Before we derail. So we have Cindy Morgan as Vicki Jensen, Kurtwood Smith, everybody's favorite dad from that 70s show, and also a scary villain in RoboCop as uh, Captain Warren Jensen, Dick Van Patten, remember him, as Martin Grenville, who plays a sadistic dentist, very like, it's like you don't see him as much as you do Steve Martin's character in Little Shop of Horrors, but I feel like they went to the same school. Yeah. <laughs> and you have... Uh, Sheila Larkin as as Janet Grenville, Wolfman Jack as the radio DJ, Kevin McCarthy, who's always wonderful, as Judge Crandall, who's not playing for comedy in this movie. His storyline is one of the darker parts. Oh, yeah. He's kind of evil. An uncredited small appearance. Of Very Mac- first role. Of Macaulay Culkin as, one, as a Halloween trick-or-treater in this. And I tried to spot which trick-or-treater he was. We couldn't figure it out. And it was like, oh, that's totally him. And then there was more trick-or-treaters. Like, wait, that could be him, too. Mm-hmm. It's like a bunch of little blonde kids. They kind of all look... They all look the same. I mean, honestly. No offense, Andy. What, what, <laughs> if it's, what if it's all Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> 
where it's all Culkin. It's all Culkin. It's all the Culkin. It's bunch of Macaulay kids. and Kieran and the third one, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember all their names. Yeah. It's it's not quite as extensive as the Murray family of acting right. or the Baldwins, but there's a lot of Culkins yeah. in the biz. Sure. <laughs> so this was something Drew and I have seen before and really enjoyed. And Andy, this is a first time watch for you, right? Yes, it is. It is. Um, I'd never seen or even heard of this movie before. It um, makes sense because you were born a couple years after it came out and it was a made-for-TV movie. Well, I mean, I had never heard of it before a few sure. years ago. Yeah. We were just checking out, you know, Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, it didn't get a lot of rerun play either. Um, right. Because this is not something that I ever saw shown on ABC or like the Disney Channel later on when I was growing up in the 90s. You know why I bet it didn't? It has, for a TV movie, it has a big budget soundtrack full of lots of famous songs. Right, because, they I mean, have to change all the songs. You have the Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett, which is a pretty well-known song. And you have Bad Moon Rising from CCR. You have, um, I think there's a Three Dog Night song in there. You have How Soon Is Now by The Smiths featured so it's it's a it's a really fun soundtrack it's there's a lot of nostalgia here yeah I I I was actually impressed with how good the soundtrack for this movie is um I was not expecting that from like a goofy 80s horror made for tv movie right but I think Um, depending on licensing sometimes rerunning stuff later on if licensing has run out it might be spendy or weird legality you know legal reasons why they can't show it again or don't want to yeah almost almost like we shouldn't copyright intellectual property like that long term <laughs> yeah well that's a conversation yeah don't don't, don't mind me don't mind me no i i understand <laughs> it has there's definitely issues if you want to give us some of your your impressions we, we talked a little bit before we hit record but you were talking about things you liked things you didn't like right off yeah, so I mean, there's it's it's a movie from the '80s, so there's some stuff in it that I that I found a little bit problematic as you know an enlightened person in 2022. Um, <laughs> She's enlightened in air quotes. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's heavy sarcasm there. Definitely not a very uh, woke movie. No, not progressive or woke. But if if you if, 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 back then. Yeah, if you can, if you can get past that stuff, it's a lot of fun. Um, and like, <laughs> it's. It does not take itself seriously at all, which I think is perfect for the tone of this movie. Um, I love, I mean, the costuming is great. I love the makeup and the costumes for all the, the you know, the the ghouls that come back. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And what, one of the things that bothers me a little bit about it is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency. Like, the, the, the ancestor who was hanged as a witch was hanged as a witch, and she was, like, you know, persecuted by the Witchfinder General or whatever. Right. Um, but she comes back and she's a vampire. Yeah. Um, doesn't yeah, do any magic really. and she starts turning people into vampires. But then there's also like the dead are coming back to life. So like was she, right. you know, an evil vampire overlord that turned all these people into ghouls and bring her back to life, brought all these people back to life, or was it also part? There's not a. This is not the point. This is not the point of the movie. Well, it's kind of three movies. And you in have one. you yeah. have a main character in Sandy who. Kind of almost seems like a throwback to the character Sandy from Greece a little bit. Yeah. She does her bad girl transformation, although this Sandy's a bit of a bad girl herself. Mm-hmm. But she's... she's Kind of wonder how Sandy died. She looks... Comp- <laughs> you get some, some impressions. 
she seems to know about the ritual that raises all of these kids so or all the dead so i feel like she might have her and her friends might have tried this back in the day but she looks normal and so yeah she's not a ghoul she's she's yeah the main guy in it like crushes on her and falls for her and hangs out with her all night and doesn't realize she's a ghost until the end because she's corporeal but she's not rotting and creepy like all the other people from the cemetery and and it's very heavily influenced by the success of the michael jackson's thriller video oh a lot that it's borrowing from including a really fun dance song and dance number is leading all the undead and they're singing get dead and And they come out of nowhere like i was i was just you know watching these teens have a party and they're it's being taken over by you know by vampires and stuff and then dance number just yeah this is a very post mtv like being successful tv movie as well because there's several moments in this that feel like it's trying to be a music video. Like there's a whole scene in the wine cellar where Sherry Belafonte's character is trying to pick out a wine and her ancestor kind of stalks her in the cellar and then comes up and bites her and converts her into a vampire. And that's when you have the Smiths, How Soon Is Now playing. And while this is happening, wine bottles are exploding and wine is just flowing and it's a lot of it's red so it's like the blood is flowing and it's yeah. not like it's meant to be a music video well i i liked that as a visual metaphor but you're right put in the context it seems very much like hey mtv please notice us or people that like mtv at least mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're trying to appeal to the teenager crowd i feel like exactly exactly um that was fun though and that that was another thing i noticed i can't remember the character's name but the the girl that shows up with all the dog collars um oh yeah uh, yeah Yeah. i was confused by this because uh the ancestor i i cannot remember her name um uh lucinda lucinda yeah Yeah. um they they full-on show her turning her descendant into a vampire but all of the other people that are being turned into vampire it's always uh male female couples um mm-hmm. when when the character with the dog collars she goes up with um uh sherry belafonte right um mm-hmm. and and they clearly do some stuff and she comes back down a vampire but i got serious like case of the not gay vibes from that <laughs> um you know but then you know you see like lavar burton gets turned into a vampire on screen and all the other you know male female couples it happens for them right. um so that, uh, some of the stuff like that stuck out to me, but again, in the 80s, made for TV movie, you know, this is still when they were throwing the F word around for gay yeah. people. Uh, it basically wants a movie, so at least we didn't have to deal with that in this. She, I have to say, Sherry Belafonte had a really great over-the-top vampire about to attack face that we get to see oh, a couple she, times. It she is, so she is the star of this movie. Yeah, yeah she's. <laughs> I mean, and she she kills it with the dance moves. She's very expressive, and she she is hamming it up the perfect amount. Um, yeah, it's uh, overall I really like this movie. It's just it's I get whiplash from it, you know. <laughs> I have to say, at the very beginning of this, there's a really bizarre. It opens with a sequence because it's kind of like you're in a Norman Rockwell esque New England town, and it's the idyllic Halloween night or day turning into night, where this is the the setting that we're introduced to, and the little local paperboy is attaching a baseball card 
to his bike so it'll make a clicking sound and he cuts his finger while he's doing this and mm. he ends up yeah bleeding on one of the newspapers and then we see the newspaper yeah the people. bloody newspaper comes back like two other times it's, it's after he bleeds on it. a plot point really it's just a re- it's just think, a reoccurring thing to tie everyone together i think together. it was supposed to be like a joke of like how small the town is or whatever because mm. that that bloody newspaper yeah, <laughs> throughout the movie but yeah there's there's just some really fun but weird <sighs> moments in this and then you have the little subplot of the kid who's kind of like the town jock is the son of Kevin McCarthy, who's the local judge. And he put away this guy who was a serial killer. And that serial killer guy comes out of the, rises from the dead. But he doesn't, he goes after the judge and attacks him. But he doesn't go like but killing. That's about it. Yeah, he doesn't like go on a spree. Like you right. see his grave and you realize everyone's coming back and you're like, uh oh, here comes a serial killer to hit the sleepy town, you know. But that's not really where it goes, other than he goes after Kevin McCarthy. But Kevin McCarthy's character as the judge dad is like berating his son for stealing costumes from the museum, which I understand well, why you would be upset. But he you get the yeah, just that just slamming him back borderline alcoholic abusive parent-child relationship going on here and it's not meant for laughs and it's not it's actually kind of believable because you know Kevin McCarthy is a great actor and even when he comes back as like an undead creature and he's still attacking his son because he does that later on where he he murders yeah he murders his son at a he busts in on that the house party where Sherry Sherry Belafonte is turning everyone into a vampire but he is straight up coming after him but you feel like the rage is coming from his his previous self not his right. zombie self yeah well and, th- and that's what i'm talking about when like you get whiplash in this movie because there's like there's a goofy dentist that doesn't believe in using novocaine and oh you know like wow yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is one of the most terrifying things of the movie yes yes you know horrifying is like the dentist. terrifying you know yeah. yeah it's like the tone which i think is real common for a lot of 80s films in general where it's like oh we're doing comedy and we're doing horror and we're doing romance and it gets very kitchen sink and then you you do get confused you're like well i don't know that whole sequence felt real and yeah, but the, yeah, then you have like really ridiculous the alcoholic abusive parent, and then and then you cut back over to like zany, you know, like a like a little person dressed up in corpse makeup who's like you know coming in and being the big shit at the party when he shows up. You're like, what is happening? Right. And you have zombies making out on the couch next to Sherry Be- Sherry Belafonte and Lavar Burton, and there's a zombie that's like super stoked because there's a coffin full of popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> personally i love popcorn but it's it's so there's like all these really fun things but yeah and then there's like abusive alcoholic dad who then kills his son when he's a zombie other than the abusive alcoholic dad i kind of got the like sense of it was like uh the writers for say are you afraid of the dark or like Mm -hmm. goosebumps took like four different episodes and they're like we're gonna make this into a movie and they're like well i want my episode to be a movie too mm, and like mm. someone came along and we're like it's okay all of your episodes can be the movie right yeah you you might be right i i didn't check and see how many writers this movie had but this might be a too many cooks situation right because there was like there was the witch mm-hmm. there was the witch was also a vampire 
there was the classic story of the dead girl comes back for one night and then like yeah you, know, you find out that her house is actually the cemetery yeah that, got, that's a classic ghost story too right. like a, almost an urban legend you've got zombies I'm trying to think of what else there was well the, the, the house party is kind of like that classic teenagers party in a house on Halloween night and then everybody either gets possessed or whatever I'm thinking of like night of the demons but there's a bunch of other movies where that's Mm -hmm. kind of the scenario something goes terribly wrong somebody plays with a Ouija board and now we're all dead you know or a little bit of a monster squad thing going on in there too yeah because you also have there's a werewolf on the loose Mm -hmm. and the werewolf attacks a guard a night guardsman who has a couple of dogs and there's this hilarious scene where the main guy who I said his name at the beginning and now I'm forgetting what it is but the one who's palling around with the dead girl Sandy they go to make a report about all the undead attacks and also they get attacked by the werewolf at Mm -hmm. one point and so they go to make a police report just when he was gonna get lucky and the police yeah yeah and the police because she was she was down to clown man Hot to trot, and this guy, this guy's got no luck this entire right. movie. You so really got to feel for him. The police are not having it, but when they walk into the police station, the two dogs that were with Night Guardsman, who gets attacked by the werewolf, are sitting on a bench like they're waiting their turn to make a report about their person getting attacked. Like, it really looked like I, I wanted to know their story. I'm like, oh, they're there to file a report. What good boys. Like, there's just these little two German shepherds sitting patiently on the bench looking Which sad Which may or may <laughs> not so have funny. been painted gray they were they were gray yeah they were don't... like like an odd color of gray though like either yeah. they were bred specifically in a weird way to get like these gray german shepherds or they spray painted like with hairspray paint right these german shepherds gray to make them look more i mean in the 80s people were not really above dying or painting an animal still for a movie. I mean, you have, I love, I love Elvira, Mistress, Mistress of the Dark, but you have a poodle that has like punk hair colors and things, which is hilarious. And, but you know, they dyed the dog. I mean, <laughs> Gong. Dying the hair is one thing. That's not sure. as bad. I don't know. But also German shepherds can sometimes be solid white or solid right. black. So I don't know. Maybe they come in gray too. I don't I don't know. My dog breeds that well. Yeah. But it does really look like they're going to file a report. Right. With, with a very adorable. disgruntled Kurtwood Smith who's not having it. <laughs> I, Kurtwood Smith, I love him. He's got the first line in this movie and he just says, I hate this time of year. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. sets the tone for the whole movie. Well, also you have earlier, too, before everybody gets uh, either zombified or vampirized, when the kids are all getting ready and they're putting on their costumes and stuff, before LeVar Burton leaves his house, he's dressed as a mummy, and he looks great, like, it's, it's fine, but he decides it's not creepy enough, so he, like... Does the classic shot of somebody raiding the fridge, so you see his face, and he's, like, eating some chocolate cake and looking around, and then he goes for the ketchup, and I remember thinking, what's he going to do with that? And then he is smearing ketchup on himself, and, like, okay, that's gross, and then he goes for eggs, so he's got eggs and ketchup to look like gore on his mummy bandages, and he gets to the party, and Sherry Belafonte is like, no, you smell, I am not gonna dance with you until you you clean yourself up this is gross and good for her 
<laughs> but it was really funny watching LeVar Burton, like, as a teenage, you know, boy character being like, because I kind of feel like it's, I don't know, that's a knock on teenage boys. It's be like, oh, I need to throw this costume together. What do I got here? I'm going to smear food on me. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> Can it be covered in flies later? Big, big teenage boy vibes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was really fun in this, too. I mean, they're all in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Sherry, Sherry Belafonte. Ball, Belafonte, who was 31 while filming this. Man. Yeah. Looking gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a really fun, atmospheric movie. And then the soundtrack is just kind of moving you right along with, like, you know, don't think too much about the plot holes or why everything is happening right. at once it's yeah it's just, the ADD, yeah. you know mtv time mm-hmm. skip one thing to another to another channel surfing kind of a movie i did really like um i liked kind of how they handled the sandy character who she's you know she realizes hey i got a, a night out i'm not you know i get to be in the world but she's disappointed because a lot of things have changed you know right. the mall shop's not there anymore and she's asking about well how are there so many movie theaters crammed in this one building don't you hear the movies from the next door theater playing and you know he says well yeah you do and just commenting on on sort of the things that have changed since she passed and then wanting to drag race and yeah she really likes drag racing i wish there'd been just a little i mean i'm not somebody who needs everything spelled out for me but a little bit more of an explanation about why does she know about what they need to do with the scroll because she knows a lot about this scroll that's read at the beginning i feel like she was part of a bunch of teens in the 50s that you know that did the same that did the same, same thing prank. but didn't end it up as well right mm. and i i feel like that would have been a great plot point of like oh well that's part of why her character's even there is to help right the wrong from this right. time around you know like help some people learn from her generation's mistakes but Which, there's not know, any dialogue about that in her movie maybe that's what was going on Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to think it was. Yeah. She knew details because in order to reverse this whole thing, they have to reseal the scroll. And so, but they have to do it in a specific way. They have to use the town founder, the magistrate's ring that's on the hand of the now zombified son of, of, uh, oh crap, the judge. The judge. Yeah, Kevin I, I love <laughs> I love that scene, by the way, where the he's zombie and he reaches his hand through and they got the get the ring off his hand. And yeah, the girl goes for the meat cleaver. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like, yeah, all right. And then he, you know, the main guy says, no, and grabs a bottle of maple syrup to lube the ring off. You're like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I know you can do that with maple syrup, like dish soap, sure. But sure. Yeah, so, or butter. But they, so they do that and like, she tells them, oh, and we also need the bones of the magistrate to be mixed in with the wax when we go to reseal the scroll. So Basically, his DNA has got to be in there. Elaborate thing, which is, you know, they do some witchcraft in the cemetery. And, and it's funny because it's, it's just another one of those classic, like, we're trying to do something fast, like start a car or do lock a door and the zombie horde is coming. Right, the car won't start. And also the um, Lucinda character, who's the witch from olden times who comes back to life, who's now a vampire, while everybody's descending on the cemetery towards the end, 
she's above all the hordes and she's just flapping her cape like a bat and it's awesome <laughs> while standing on the back of <laughs> yeah, the car it's so cool yeah. like she's just like she's no leading reason. the parade yeah. it's like it's a parade float of zombies and yeah. vampires and werewolves and she's in charge because she she's running the show sure <laughs> oh god so did you guys notice there's a scene where it's towards the end and they're playing the opera the song from the opera uh Pagliacci, i think like, that was a weird scene. So there's an there's actually <laughs> at first I just thought it was like background music, but then you see an undead opera singer who's been singing it the whole time. But there's a there's a zombie milkman yeah. on top of his milk truck, and he's slowly dumping out the milk onto the ground while like they're uh, yeah. singing the the field, it's, it's the scene you know, like, like of like the town so has funny. fully been like overcome yeah well, and, and this last kid is it's all up to him you know yeah and i also one of my favorite things there is when the uh the mailman yeah. is just like sitting there and there's a car on fire and he's just throwing the mail <laughs> into the fire one letter at a time it's hard to tell like if it's supposed to be dramatic or hilarious it's definitely hilarious but it's played straight like it's this like epic oh no everyone's you know there's been this huge breakdown and no one's doing their job anymore because they're all undead creatures of the night and (laughs) someone's messing up the milk and the mail it's really funny yeah it was weird (laughs) (laughs) and then it just ends like it wasn't ever like it didn't even happen yeah, nobody's basically you, once you reseal it, everybody goes back to normal. The dead go back to being right. dead. Everyone who was killed or maimed goes because back. of the dead goes back to the way they were. His car, which was attacked by a werewolf, the the convertible right. top cover had slashes in it that heals. But he was still like parked in the cemetery. It was mm-hmm. still that time of night. Yeah you know the time had all so passed. It's, it's not like it went back to when they like before they started the ritual right anything. before they yeah. started the ritual or something and he can say no don't do it you know like and take it back and like seal it up and everything mm-hmm. it just goes back to and I'm, I, I'm curious where all the other people are and what like did they just have like a brain fog thing where they don't know what happened for the last 12 hours or it's not explained. That must yeah. have been some crazy party last night. I don't it's, remember a thing. Look at the town. It's, it's a slight up. plot hole, you know. <laughs> so I think real quick before we get into like more of our overall thoughts, I'm gonna take a quick break to pause for our sponsors for this Halloween episode. Finally, and, some ad money. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's it's money from the netherworld so i'm not sure how much that's gonna help us but oh that's that's not good spending (laughs) on this side so we're gonna take a, a real quick break and then we'll be right back when i was a little girl i didn't think there was anything that i liked better than ice cream now i'm a big girl and i've decided there's something i like better much better it's called the stuff and believe me Enough is never enough. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? 
have you or any of your family ever seen a spook specter or ghost if the answer is yes then don't wait another minute pick up your phone and call the professionals go ghostbusters our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs we're ready to believe you and we're back <laughs> That was good. Okay. Were we ever gone at all? I and don't know. <laughs> was I ever here to begin yeah, with? It's like a Bobby Newport moment there. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, there's, as we were saying, there's some really interesting, surreal, sort of wannabe music video, artsy segments of this movie, which may or may not be great. It's called a fun filled romp. It is, but I, I'm here for it. I'm here for all the weirdness. I like, yeah. even though it's disjointed, it, it's another one of those movies that's just a perfect Halloween atmosphere. For if, you, or if you're looking for something that just screams Halloween, there's a lot of scenes of kids trick-or-treating. You right. have lots of shots of the cemetery. You have fall and, leaves and autumnal streets and small businesses. Uh, and you have a museum full of, you know, old costumes and creepy artifacts. And it's got one of the most epic Halloween party scenes. Yes. And I love Halloween movies that have the big Halloween party scenes because all the costumers get to have fun creating all these crazy costumes for everybody. And it's like when you get professional costumers that get to do a Halloween scene, you get all kinds of great goofy stuff and like. It's those parties you wish actually existed but mm-hmm. never do, you know? Although we try. Yeah. We certainly try. But, yeah, this it's just, it's it's great. It kind of actually, some of the, the when they break in and steal the costumes and then you have the big Halloween party gone awry, there's little touches of what we later see in Hocus Pocus, I feel like. There's some similar yeah. parallels yeah. there. So if that's mm-hmm. a movie you really like and you've never seen this, definitely pare down some of your comparisons because this is going to be a made-for-TV movie, although a fairly decently budgeted one. I think you're going to enjoy this as well. I mean, I think the acting was higher than your typical made-for-TV movie. You had a lot of cinematography was higher than your normal made-for-TV movie. I think the only place that's really lacking is just the disjointedness of the writing and the plot well and you also got to remember when this came out there was there were commercial breaks now true if you watch this on youtube there's likely going to be some commercial breaks too but they're not going to be inserted and planned for the way they did that right. on broadcast television but there's so they may have thought oh well we have to break up the segments between the commercials and we got to keep it interesting. So that might have been part of the planning and why it maybe plays a little bit stranger Mm -hmm. than that. But I have to say, I'm kind of a sucker for the classic ghost girl goes to the dance with the boy and he doesn't realize she's dead until afterwards. And then his jacket's always neatly folded on the tombstone, which happens in this movie, and that's totally an element of that classic Because it's always, you know, a cold night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She needs a jacket. Oregon even has their own version of that story. There's a ghost story known as Lavender, where I'd I'd have to have it in front of me to tell you the specific location this one was supposed to have taken place in, but it was two young men meet a girl in a party dress out by the side of the road, and she's supposed to be going to the local dance that they're headed to, and 
and one guy falls in love with her and takes her home and realizes she still has his jacket, goes back the next morning, and there it is, neatly folded on her grave. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know, I love that one. It's creepy, but it's sweet. And that's kind of how this is. It's just very sweet. And she even, before she goes on to the next existence or whatever, manages to put in a song request with Wolfman Jack at the right. end, which is so, so sweet and cute. Yeah, I kind of think there's just, there's definitely, it feels like lots of pieces of a lot of different things. Yeah, like the, you, you could have made an interesting mini series out of this. You could have made an interesting two or three different movies out of this, and it's all all crammed into one movie, and it's right. it's an experience. I mean, they were they weren't gonna do something like that back then, but I think of you know definitely something that's more straight horror. But the um, Fear Street series that came out last year, you were treated to the witch burning and, you know, superstitious times of the 1600s and how that ties in with the storyline in the 90s and in the late right. 70s. And you kind of had little pieces of that here. It's like, oh, well, the sins of the past are are, are going to come back to get us in later generations. And, and it, it makes for an interesting story. And they kind of did weird things with it here. But, you know, again... TV movie in the 80s and compared to a lot of other te television movies that were coming out in the 80s and um, I've seen quite a few of them this one definitely yeah this is as much better made than the average one you were going to get in 1985 yeah. it's good stuff yeah and and I think it's something that even though it has some intense kind of zombie chase scenes and stuff that would be scary for like really young kids I think this is totally a family friendly and was intended to be a family-friendly yeah. piece. I mean, other than the alcoholic, murderous Kevin McCarthy character, I feel like it's very on par with, like I said before, like Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like a little bit above that, but not much. Or like Monster Squad. It's in a, it's in a very precarious place where it's not... Um, and this is something I don't remember which one of them, but one of the kids from Monster Squad talked about um, one time in an interview where it's like, it wasn't designed for adults or like older teenagers, but it wasn't designed for kids. It's like right in between there is what like is its prime target. Yeah, it's, 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 it's for tweens. Right, for tweens. And it's like... The tween market is great for, like, a one-shot hurrah, but, like, after that, it kind of, until those tweens become adults and start watching it again, it kind of loses its uh, its power, you know? It doesn't it doesn't have as much oomph, because you don't get as big of a market. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tweens are a very small market, because they're in between. <laughs> well, now you've just you know, ostracized our tween audience. So thanks for that. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> um, it, you know what? You might need to find another uh, podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I thought, thought before we wrap up, it'd be fun to talk a little bit more about the soundtrack to give an idea for people who haven't heard this, how awesome oh, it list. is. Yeah, I do. Some of the great songs that are perfect for this. Like I said, there's the Creedence Clearwater Revival, Bad Moon Rising, the title song in the midnight hour and you get the always excellent little red riding hood mm, performed yeah. by Sam, the sham and the Pharaohs. 
And then it ends with the song, Baby, I'm Yours, which was the, you know, Sandy's otherworldly ghost request to Wolfman and Jack. That's performed by Barbara Lewis. We got Mama Told Me Not to Come by uh, Three Dog Night, How Soon Is Now by The Smith, and two versions of Sea of Love, the awesome Get Dead performance by Sherry Belafonte. And that one was written, I believe, just for this. because They were like, what do, right. what do we want to do? We want to do what Thriller did, but not Thriller. Right. But it's It was so like fun. Boingo Boingo meets Thriller. Mm-hmm. It was great. I it loved really it. It was really fun. But yeah, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. it's also the only one that got credited in the credits at the end. All the other like <laughs> songs, which I'm like, it's made for TV movie. Right. They were probably just like, ah, we don't have to do that stuff. Yeah, it's hard to say what ABC like stip- what their stipulation was. I believe this. I said that was an ABC production. I think it was. Anyway, I look at that, I read it, and then it immediately leaves my brain. You know how it is. Yep, Getting older. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is definitely, I I would highly recommend this if you're looking for something that encapsulates a classic nostalgic Halloween vibe. That's Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even non-nostalgic Halloween vibe. I feel like the Halloween vibes portrayed here in this movie are still the Halloween vibes that go on to this mm-hmm. day. Because... I mean, we do Halloween pretty big at our house, and we are here for the trick-or-treaters, so we're not going out doing, like, parties on Halloween. But, like, every once in a while, we get somebody that helps us hand out candy, so we get to walk the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and there's still that electricity in the air. Oh, you know? yeah. It's that. But even even back when Ray Bradbury wrote um, some uh, the, the Halloween tree, you know, he says a line in that. He says, better than Easter, better than Christmas. It's Halloween. It's the best holiday, and every kid knows it. I agree. And as an adult who's now in their 40s, like, I still love it. I still feel the electricity. I still, man, you know, 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people, but when we had that full moon on Halloween night, that just felt like pure magic. Mm. You know, even though things weren't going the way we wanted, you can't not have Halloween in some capacity. Like, it's, it's, I think the energy is there, even if you're not celebrating. Right. And it's just such a, it's a wonderful time. It doesn't involve, it involves, you know, possibly giving to your community and connecting with your neighbors, but it doesn't involve weird family drama or weird obligations or a need to purchase a bunch of things with a lot of pressure. Although we do overspend every Halloween and probably a lot of fanatics and home hunters would agree with that. But it's not quite the same thing where I can go into the stores and look at the fun Halloween decorations and I don't feel this panicked, stressed out vibe like the one that hits between basically all of November and early December where panicked people are trying to find the perfect gift and the pressure's on and you're maxing out your credit cards and you're at each other in traffic and it's supposed to be quote unquote in the spirit of Christmas. And I, I, I'm not here to knock Christmas or Yule or however you like to celebrate that time, but it just, Halloween just has its own special power and it feels accessible to everybody. And it also is a time when we celebrate the other, the weirdo, Mm -hmm. the darkness, the outcast, the monster, you know? And so it feels like it's for everybody. It's very inclusive. And I think a lot of us who've ever felt, strange or unaccepted by mainstream society or the things we were into were questioned 
or we wanted to ask the big difficult questions about well what happens to you after you die you know those yep. or if you like dressing up <laughs> halloween embraces that and says it's that's what we're here for let's let's embrace the void let's embrace the weird let's dance when the veil is thin and and even though it's scary let's enjoy the tingle you get from that fear let's yeah well and, have and that. halloween also is one of the only holidays at least in the united states that's based around actually celebrating like having a party and being together and having a good time as opposed to a lot of our other holidays which you know focus on togetherness but there's you know, Thanksgiving is an obligation and Christmas is this like horrible gift giving nightmare. And, uh, you know, the 4th of July is fireworks and barbecue, I guess, but it's not really a party. Like Halloween is a good time. It's supposed to be a good time. That's what it's for. Yeah. And I think it also, I think there's just a lot of a sense of liberation for a lot of people. Like maybe, maybe you want to put on a costume and, try out a completely different look maybe you want to get outside your box and be something that you wouldn't ordinarily feel comfortable dressing up as maybe you want to be scary or you want to try out a different gender expression or see what it feels like to be a different age you know like there's or a different creature it's there's so many things it's it's very it's open and inviting in a lot of ways and i think also just honoring the cycle of nature and that this time of harvest and this time of letting go, that it can be a really beautiful thing. And also this time of year, if you live in an area where you have fall and you have seasonal changes and the leaves turn color, it's like, it is like fireworks, it's like the last hurrah. Like we're gonna go dormant for winter, but before we go out, we're gonna show all our colors and fly. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. So I think, I think that does it for our Halloween offering for 2022, unless anybody had anything else they want to add. No, no, I don't think so. I will be, I will probably be watching The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing with my roommate on Halloween proper because he's never seen it. So excellent. Yeah, I definitely a spooky time. I mean, shoot, anything with Kurt Russell and Keith David is going to be a good time. So Drew and I will be watching over our haunted front yard cemetery and haunted carport as the trick-or-treaters come to our mm -hmm. door and and we'll be prepping for our annual party after that and doing all kinds of fun spooky things in between. Mm -hmm. So we hope that you have a magical and wonderful autumn season and Halloween holiday and we thank you for listening and hope that you will join us again next time on the Haunted Davenport Podcast. Keep it spooky, folks. Arr